Welcome back to the Humanise podcast. I'm here again with Chris and Lisa. And today we will be talking about making difficult people decisions. So what do you think holds people back or founders back or, or management back from making some of those difficult people decisions? I think fear mm-hmm. um, is definitely something that people allow to overcome them. And I think with fear, it brings a little bit of overthinking mm-hmm. when they're making a decision. And then I think because of that, they can sometimes be paralysed in the moment because they think about all of the what ifs mm. rather than thinking about it in a simple term and trying to kind of make a simple decision. So I definitely think people have a fear around making those difficult decisions. It's people. Like, mm. I don't know, what could that difficult decision be? Maybe it could be something like there's performance issues yeah. with somebody in the business and you see that as a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people are hesitant to have that conversation, so they'll hold themselves back from doing that. Mm. And I think that then creates an even more difficult conversation as time passes. So for me, I do think it's fear um, and being able to be transparent and open to have a good conversation with somebody, but they very quickly quantify that conversation as a difficult one. And you're delaying the potentially delaying the inevitable, right? Yeah. By, by just not broaching the subject and just having the conversation. Um, and when you say fear, do you mean like the person that's got to have that conversation is scared of how it's going to make the other person feel or they're actually scared of like delivering that message themselves? I think it's both. And I also think it's they're scared of the reaction from the person that, going, that they are probably going to have that conversation with. And that's where the what ifs come in and the overthinking comes in. What if mm. they say this? Mm. What if they say something differently? What if they get upset? What if they get angry? And you think about all of the play out all of these different scenarios. And then I think you just get a little bit paralyzed yeah. because actually all of those might happen or none of those will happen. I think human nature means that we do avoid conflict, right? We're, we're kind of built. It's that fight or flight. So yeah. if somebody perceives a difficult conversation or a conversation about somebody's behaviour or performance, they automatically go into conflict. Mm-hmm. And you don't mean to. It's just something that's triggered with that fight or flight, I think. Yeah. Um, and do you think some of that's cultural for us as well as like British people? There's, there's an element of that, but running a business isn't easy, right? I mean, we, we all run our own mm-hmm. businesses and, and, and fundamentally, unless you work in a lab and it's just you, then people are going to be the way that you grow that business. And a lot of founders and, and managers that have never managed before go into business um, without really thinking through what it is to manage people. It's not easy, right? No, you know, it's not. It's really not easy. And I think... With that, building relationships and growing a business, roles change, companies scale, which means that, you know, people's roles change again. And perhaps somebody that you hired at the beginning of your journey isn't the person or doesn't have the skills that you need to move through to the next stage of your journey. Because that's a, that's a difficult decision as well, isn't it? When you start the business, you're kind of master of everything. Yeah. And then as you scale and grow the roles for your people become narrower as you move them into their specialisms, but they joined a startup. Yeah. And they loved that startup because they did a little bit of everything and perhaps they're not quite ready for the growth of the business and don't want to move into that specialised role. So that's another difficult decision Mm -hmm. around how you handle that person's development and where they move to. Sometimes it's just not right for that Mm. stage of the business. So that's another difficult decision that... You have to make, and and we've seen it time and time again, right, where 
again, you might have a technical specialist and you move them into a management role because they're the person that's been there the longest and they're awful mm-hmm. at managing people. And actually, they don't want to be a manager, but it's the only route that you as a founder feel that they should and could go into. So it's, you know, some of it is around growth and scaling and making sure you've got the right people in the right roles. I also think it's about acknowledging sometimes that journey for that person is not going to be with the company moving forwards and you need Mm. to let them loose to go and experience something else somewhere else where they can continue to grow that's what that's why i don't think people take into consideration actually it's like if we talk about maybe exiting someone from a business yeah by not doing that and not approaching that difficult conversation i think actually you're you're failing that person as as an individual because if you just agree collectively that this isn't the right environment it's not the right role for you they Mm. can go and find another job elsewhere and actually really flourish yeah so i think that's when i've sometimes had to have conversations like that it's a case of like we've agreed or i think we should agree that this isn't right mutually Mm. and i think that's very difficult uh very different sorry yeah um how do either of you coach your clients maybe through approaching those difficult conversations don't avoid them so I think when a client comes and they've they've got a d- difficult person-related uh, decision to make, mm. I think the first thing that they do is they try to kick the can down the road. Um, and doing that often creates longer-term yeah. issues that become bigger and more magnified. Mm, so I think when I have somebody come and speak to me about that, my view is, OK, let's, have, let's start the conversations now because they're going to be easier than if you leave them for months and months and months. Mm-hmm. And frustration builds in that person then as well, especially if it's a performance-related um, decision that they need to make yeah. and they're concerned. I think they get frustrated because the performance isn't Im- improving and then it can often get to a point where they're like I've had enough now and it's like well you've not spoken to the person you haven't really laid out the concerns that you have and what support have you put around them to make them the best that they can be within that environment so the advice for me is always like let's have an initial conversation and if you're nervous about the conversation because maybe you feel that the response might not be uh, an easy one to deal with then let's just map that out a little bit and there's no harm in scripting yourself either write a few notes Mm. if you feel that you're stepping into something you're a bit nervous about write it down so that you know how you're going to deal with it and I also talk to them about what's worst case scenario from that conversation Uh, so maybe they say I think they're going to cry oh so how what we're going to do if they get upset we're going to take a minute we're going to stop talking we're going to allow them to kind of compose themselves so if you know what your plan is for the worst case scenario for that conversation i think you can step into it with a little bit more confidence and we will have those conversations with some of our clients as well if they are difficult ones and they are concerned we can go and i think often with somebody else there it just the dynamic is slightly different yeah. and it can just be a little bit more calmer and we can step in or kick them under the table yeah. as necessary <laughs> sometimes if you think it's going kind of off piece and down the wrong track i think one other consideration is how like and I know people have thought this way. So, like, if I was having a difficult conversation with one person in the business, mm. how can their reaction impact the rest of the team? Mm. Because if if we have, for example, a difficult conversation with an employee, I, you know, you know that people talk outside of work. Mm. For example, like, is that conversation going to essentially be diluted but spread towards everyone? And does that change those people's, you know, their perception of the business and what we do? I think it. I think it depends on how that situation is handled. If I'm honest, and mm. you know, one of the pieces of advice I always give to our clients is that please remember it's a conversation Mm. it's Mm two-way because fundamentally my belief is that everybody comes from a good place 
course. So if you're having to have a, a, a difficult conversation with somebody, something's gone wrong somewhere. So is the, you know, think about it from their perspective. If it's performance, then as Lisa said, lay out, have that conversation with them, point out where your concerns are and, and you know, how they can how they can address that is if it's something else, then you really need to understand why they are behaving the way that they are behaving as best you can. Um, and it's all in the handling of that conversation. And honesty is a huge mm. part of that mm. and not flinching from having that really direct conversation. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. This is the impact. Help me understand yeah. why you're doing what you're doing. And I think... If you handle that conversation well, and look, people don't want to be in that room and no. have that conversation. They may not even be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as long as you have that direct and honest conversation without getting caught in that conflict formality that a lot of people do, and we all feel ourselves going to the grip of it because nobody really likes no one to have. That, no, right? no, nobody likes to have those conversations. But it is a necessary one. If you can have a genuine conversation in that room, it shouldn't impact people yep. outside of that. If you go into it in conflict, it's formal, you're not being honest because a lot of times people won't give the feedback they have, you know, and, and that's the tricky bit. So you talk to somebody about the way they're behaving, but you won't and you don't give them the, the examples in the feedback. They leave the room annoyed, which is when it impacts other people. They've called me and they've told me that and they haven't given me their feedback or giving me examples or they're just trying to get me out of the business that's when it impacts other people something you said there as well like they might not even know it's coming so like i worked for a business once that will remain unnamed of course but they they weren't particularly good at providing feedback on an ongoing basis yeah and you might have met every like six weeks or 10 weeks or so with your line manager and then there was like all of a sudden like a bit of a bombshell dropped on you yeah and for me that's completely wrong so actually like if we're if we're saying that some people avoid having those really difficult conversations like if you break that down step by step and you provide continuous feedback yeah actually the difficult conversation doesn't really exist because the person knows what's coming yeah Yeah, and that's a different thing isn't it because then you're talking about a feedback culture within an organization which is something that needs to be worked on you need to help people to understand one how to give constructive feedback Mm -hmm. and secondly how to receive it because sometimes I think we forget we train people on how to give feedback and give good examples Mm -hmm. and talk about the impact as Sarah said but we often forget to train people on how to receive it and how are you going to respond to it and actually we often call it a gift and from that gift you take from it what you want Mm. so if you get feedback from somebody and it's it unsettles you because it can definitely unsettle you, I think, at times. If you pick through it and you go away and you honestly reflect, there'll be something in there that you suddenly think, mm, yeah, that probably is the way that I behave. God, I didn't think of that. Didn't think that that was so noticeable to other people. Mm. So I think you have to. Yeah. So I do think there's an element of training people to receive feedback and to use it. as They can ignore it. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you can give somebody feedback and they can choose to ignore it. They can be defensive yeah. and not, and not do anything with it. And that is absolutely their choice. But I think as a, a leader, as a people manager, your responsibility is to provide them with the feedback yeah. so that they can then grow and develop. Because mm. actually, that's what you're there for. You're not 
I don't think we're old school managers anywhere anymore. We want people to grow and develop on their own. And our kind of responsibility is to give them the feedback when they're doing something amazing. Keep doing that. That's amazing. And when something isn't quite working, trying to understand out why, give them the support they need to progress. But that's that's your gift to them yeah. is to help them to grow. I think for company founders and team managers, though, the way I look at it is like providing feedback, like my company's success is determined and led by the team, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if ever we provide some critique or like criticism, it's always like with the caveat that like, I want you to be successful. Like this is not me wanting you to fail. Yeah. Because ultimately you failing means that the company is failing. Mm-hmm. Therefore, mm. um, I think that helps me if I ever have to have those conversations put a, a more positive spin on it for sure there is another piece to this of course which is uh, the conversation or the question that i ask every client that i work with when they come to me with oh i uh, this i'm finding this really difficult yeah. or this individual is doing x y and z is capability versus behaviors and i think the single most difficult conversation and, and the conversations with our clients every day are either founders or, or managers who say that it's the behaviors yeah they're not the cultural they're not the right cultural fit we hear that a lot yeah, yeah. um they're not demonstrating the behaviors that we expect of you know i don't know a manager or an ex or that they they don't fit the values of the company their performance however is fine and i think in terms of making those difficult decisions, that is often one of the hardest, which is it's starting to escalate. It's starting to impact other people, to your point earlier on. How do we address this when it's behaviours? Because your view of somebody's behaviours are not what... Subjective, is, right? Absolutely, and, and not necessarily what that individual thinks they are demonstrating, or perhaps they're not self-aware enough to notice, mm-hmm. or perhaps the fit's just not right mm-hmm. for the business. And I'd say quite a lot of our conversations are around behaviours and fit than they are around performance because performance is a little more uh, objective. Mm -hmm. There's a process around that, but the behaviours and the cultural fit, that is a difficult one to manage. And it is the one that I think most of our clients really struggle with in terms of it's just not right, it's just not working. And that is the one that fundamentally impacts the business the most, in my view. And it's the word you said, it's what is the impact of their behaviours is the way that you can get them to kind of lay out what they're seeing because you're yeah. right it's so difficult performance they haven't hit the sales target yeah. or they haven't delivered a, it's delivered white, a project right? yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much more measurable and so I think everybody can kind of work with that um, in a much more structured way yeah. but behaviours for me is about impact yeah. it's impact on the team mm. it's impact on the project mm-hmm. it's impact on the business overall because we've all probably had those people that are what I would class as unique gurus that are so unicorns. You're, you're used to unicorns they do. yeah we like unicorns <laughs> but often they are the most difficult to manage yeah. and it's not necessarily because of their capability it's often because of their behaviours, because they are in this unique position and they often have an ego and they often know that they're really good at what they do. Mm. So they sometimes think it gives them free licence to behave really badly. Mm -hmm. And I think that even if they might be this guru within your business, I think the impact of those behaviours can be very toxic for a business. Because if other people see that person behaving in a particular way, and nothing being done about yeah, it, absolutely. they will they will then think, well, it's okay for me to behave like that. Yeah. And now you've got this this toxic kind mm-hmm. of um, impact on a business. And it might be touching on subject a different subject to talk about another time. But like, how do you 
how do you interview you said that most of the, your clients cases around behaviors yeah in spending two or three hours with someone like how how much can you kind of drill down on someone's behaviors i think it depends on how how good you are at interviewing let's be honest because you know a lot of clients when they're first in startup mode have never really had to go through this yep. before right how clear your values and your culture mm -hmm. is because i do think you can interview against the culture and values of the business in a behavioral way um and i think that most companies don't interview against culture and values so i think people coming in the door if you're not testing for that in your interview process then potentially it's a bit hit and miss when people are coming into the business some people some candidates will demonstrate what they think you want to hear yeah as well interview in, they interview well yeah they yeah, interview really well they're talented at it absolutely <laughs> yeah well you would expect that right yeah, yeah. but when they're actually i mean i've, I've got an example of a, of, of a, a client that, that hired somebody in and, and they've grown through the business over the last three years interviewed incredibly well within three weeks they knew that the behaviors weren't matching their value or cultures and they've done they did nothing about it yeah and we're three years in and that has spread and the behaviors are really toxic and the individual is disenfranchised and still they continue to ignore and it is now impacting the wider business yep. frankly but that was spotted in three weeks yeah so on that note thinking i mean we talked about this why before. do you think they didn't do anything about it then um i think i think often clients and and you know to a degree us too think that um think that it's just settling in period yeah just settling in period mm. let's get through the probation right so you get another three months let's see how that well they've done you know they're performing well yeah, and yeah, oh, look it'll it'll weed itself out you know and then it then it's a year you're still seeing the behaviors and they've got worse yeah um but then you'll make an excuse in another way because they're now in a critical role yeah so then you think Especially well the risk of business, the risk right. of losing them yeah is, too is higher so I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to address that. Let's just move them over here so they're managing less people. So then you're making excuses for their behaviour. And then 18 months go by and a couple of things are popping up and there might be a small grievance. And you think, oh, well, you know, it's just because they manage in a, you know, in quite a strong way. It's, yeah, it's, it's that. Style. That's it's another style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. another excuse. That's so you're two years in now and two years is really becoming an issue because you've passed the magic barrier. Right. So they've now got further employment rights mm. then you don't do anything because of the employment rights and maybe they've moved into an even more senior role and then you're three years into a business the behaviors are awful they've got really big impact their role's quite powerful i mean you can see you can see the why some of these yeah. decisions aren't made and you know time passes really quickly when you're in a business but the longer you lead it it's like leave it it in any decision whether it's difficult or not the just the harder it gets and and the, the larger impact it has across the entire organisation. I mean, I have founders that are losing sleep over some of this kind of decision. Yeah. Because when you're a small business, you want to give everybody an opportunity, to your point earlier. Um, and actually, everybody's in a critical role. Oh, when you're three yeah. people strong, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's in a critical role. And also, you don't want to admit that you got it wrong. Because sometimes we get it wrong. As a business owner, I think there's a bit of yeah. pride about that, right? A hundred percent. You want to make sure every hire that you make is the right one. And that is the same across any business that we work for. And mm. particularly in that kind of initial one to five people, they are all critical roles. Yeah. And sometimes 
you get it wrong. Yeah. And do you not think fail fast if you do? Yeah. I think I and I do understand, you know, somebody in a critical role, but I think you have to fail fast and I think yeah, you just have to have a bit of honesty and transparency about it and just admit that, you know, it it didn't work, it wasn't the right person yeah. for whatever reason. But go back to your hiring, go back to how mm. you made the hire. What didn't you do? What questions didn't you ask that might have made you see that? How could you have done it differently? Mm. And I mean, I've got um, a couple of clients and they hire super quick, like They'll do one interview and then they'll hire. And I can tell you now, they, those that is not working for them because they're hiring really quickly because they're under pressure mm. and they really need to get people in. And we're seeing people come in and go out just as quickly because speaking to somebody once is not enough, in my opinion. I yeah, think yeah. every interview should be at least, there should be at least two and you should have different people within that interview structure so that then you can come back to the table as a group and, and talk about the, the person that you've interviewed and give really good constructive feedback. And I think, and you might disagree with me, Chris, I don't know, but I think if there's four of you and one says no, you go with the one that said no. Unless, unless <laughs> it's a really personal objection that they have. But I think sometimes if there's one says no and they can really quantify why, I, I feel like then maybe you should go with the one that said no or go back and have another conversation around the area of concern that you have just identified mm. just to make sure. For me, because that makes it's an expensive It's an expensive mistake. Yeah, for me, that makes more sense. I would say, like, if there's a majority in favour and one one person saying no, I would, yeah, explore the concern in more detail, unless it was, like, very bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because, again, like, slightly different topic, but I always feel like the more people you ask, the more variety of opinions you have. And I think one frustration sometimes we see, and I understand you should spend at least two interviews with someone in technical positions, probably three, because there'll be a a practical element, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. but the more people in the team you ask, you're going to get so many more different opinions and actually you just end up never hiring anyone because the chance of everyone agreeing is slim to none. It doesn't happen very often. Mm. Yeah, but it's definitely two interviews and I would probably say a maximum of four people, maybe not even four, you might have three because you might have a consistent person sit in both of those interviews because then you get a consistent view, don't you? Mm. But I definitely think if somebody says that they have feel very strongly, if it's a minor concern, but if they have a very strong, strong view on it, like you said, go back, revisit it, go and have some some more conversations about, and be honest with them. Tell them why you've come back and chatted to them. Like, if you say we've, we've, we've had, as a conversation, everything's great, but we do want to explore this in a little bit yeah, more detail. that's fair. Because then at least they know why you've come back. Yeah, links nicely with having a potentially difficult conversation. So yeah. on that, in terms of that difficult decisions, one of the difficult decisions, and we've, we've hit this, and Chris, I'm sure you've been the same, and this is, you know, this is your world, is um, at what point do you hire, right? Mm. And that is a difficult decision because when you're, you're a startup, you, you're trying to generate the revenue, you're trying to generate the interest, and this is a conversation I have with all of my clients. Yeah. At which point... Do you hire before the demand hits? Do you hire after yeah, the demand egg, right? hits? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just that is a difficult decision on the hiring up, right? If you're going for investment, then that's probably a more straightforward one, right? Yeah. Because if you haven't got the money, you don't hire. But if you have got the money, then you can press the button and go for it. Yeah. But that's an interesting one and one that we've come up In our world, against. it's speculate to accumulate. Yeah. I guess. Like we, as a for our business to grow, we there's only so much... Um, Sounds crude, but only so much revenue an individual can generate, right? And yeah, we have yeah, revenue absolutely. Focused. There's a maximum. And yeah. therefore, 
if the business is to grow, which again comes down to like presenting people with career opportunities, then we have to speculate to accumulate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we've had that conversation, haven't we? Yeah. And we have it with our clients all the time, which is the, the product's about to launch. Do you hire up now? I look, most of our clients hire up afterwards, right? So the product goes out and then they're scrambling around and we're trying to get people in and as that's quickly the way you as get possible. The one interview hire, right? Because it's panic hiring then. Yeah. And we've had that, that we've yeah. had that conversation multiple times. When do you when do you press the button? Which role is more important if you have kind of multiple different functions, right? Um, I think it's a tough one. I think oh, it's a agree. difficult decision for yeah. a lot of founders, which is when when do we do it? I, I don't want to spend all of this money if that might not happen i think i worked with somebody uh, for quite a long time and his view was if you're looking at hiring don't look at or his view was look at the impact of not having that person in the business over the cost of having them in the business and i think it's quite a good way to look yeah. at hiring people yeah if you don't have them in what is going to happen? How yeah. commercially? What's the impact going to be? Um, is your product going to be able to go, go to market if you don't have? I don't know if it's a games company. We work with quite a lot of games companies. If you don't have a producer in and you've got a game yeah. and you need a senior producer, do you hold off and use your junior producer? Do you actually back yourself and go? Okay, no, we need this person in. So we, the impact is going to be such that we won't get the game out on time. Then we have to make that higher. Yeah. So quite a good way to look at it because it's slightly different, I think. Also, that's a question I would ask clients around, like, um, to your point, how many interview stages or like, how many people are you looking to interview before you fill this job? Mm. And it's one of those where, like, if, for example, a client is interviewing and interviewing, and oh, we haven't quite found the right fit, I would ask them the question, like, how much do you need this person? Yeah. Are, you, are you hiring for the sake of hiring? Do you think you need someone? Or actually, like... Do you need someone? And if so, then there might have to be some sacrifices made somewhere along the way. Yeah, definitely. Mm. How critical. And obviously, just thinking about difficult decisions and businesses, I think there's another another place that businesses uh, get to in different varying uh, sort of stages of growth. And that's when things are, they've grown really well. And then commercially, things start to get a bit tricky. Mm. And so cash flow starts to yes. get impacted. Yeah. And now now that's a very different, difficult decision to start yeah. making. And that's the losing sleep overnight because lots of our clients feel responsible for the people that they hire. Mm. They give them jobs. They're responsible. F- they feel responsible for their lives. And so it's a very personal um, and quite an emotive decision to make. Mm. But... I know and have worked with uh, clients where they have delayed those kinds of decisions. Mm. And because they have delayed the moment where they feel that they need to scale back their people func- their, their people because of their commercial cash flow, they've put that off. And then they've got to a position where it's become so critical that they've had to cut so much deeper into the business. And I think that's a really, really difficult place for someone to be. And I think that's when a founder needs somebody that's probably very commercial and very black and white and takes the emotion out of it. Because as your business, I think about my business now and I think Sarah and I had to, we've had that this conversation at different stages because you start to panic sometimes. You think, oh my God, the work's not coming in. What are we going to do? And you think, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And one of us has to be emotional and be allowed to be emotional. And the other one has to just take all of that emotion out because then you get to like this place where you do start to make some difficult decisions. Mm. And 
that's I feel like that's one of the biggest procrastination points for most yeah. businesses. Yeah, and I think you know if companies are making redundancies or whatever it might be, like that, the business owner or founder or whatever they are, they they don't want to no. be telling people that they don't no, have a job not. anymore. And I think sometimes maybe externally it's like, oh, they just want to you know save some money, whereas there's no like they're looking after the it's overall never that. interest. It's of the, never of the ever. It's, that. it's genuinely never money driven. It is very much about this is people's livelihoods. Yeah, hundred percent. And I do not want to impact somebody's mortgage or the fact that they can't pay their bills this month. So it's it's often how long do we leave it? Yeah. How much chance do we give the business to turn around or, yeah. I don't know, contract A and B to yeah. come in? Because yeah. I don't want to communicate anything that will destabilise people. I don't want to lose the team, right? Yeah. First yeah. Of all. So should you be open about those things? I think, I honestly think it's a really fine balance and it's the conversation Lisa and I have most with our clients, mm. which is commercials aren't looking as good as they were. What do we, how long have we got, yeah. right? What's our runway? So that's either investment runway. When does the money run out, yeah. honestly? Right, six months. Mm. We've got six months and then there is nothing left. Or we've got four months and then we need to be informing yeah. the team that this is what's going on uh, or we're moving to a Series B or whatever it happens to be. But this is, you know, Series A and Series B, there's always a runway, right? So you know when that's running out. But this is more when the revenue is drying up a bit or mm. the contracts aren't coming in as quickly. And post-COVID, let's be honest, that is happening mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so those decisions are actually, we, we have to address those more po- now post-COVID than we did yeah. during COVID, interestingly. Yeah. Um and I think it is a really fine balance because if you leave it too late, your staff feel like you're not being honest and open with them and you haven't communicated. Mm. But if you do it too early, there's a risk of losing so great true, people. Yeah, yeah losing great balance? people. It's the, it's, the, it's the chicken and the egg mm. in yeah. all of its good and bad, I think, that that moment because you want to be transparent and honest yeah. and if you have a business where it's close-knit people yeah. know when things are starting to go wrong they'll know oh we didn't get that contract oh so we're stopping that project over there yeah. okay well what does that mean yeah but it's a fine balance because if you go out too quickly and start talking to your people about financial challenges you unsettle people and the good people often will who perhaps don't want to be in a business that, that, that has, has mm. this unsettling period mm. they will go so you have to be so careful because yeah, you need your great people for your investment that you're hoping to get because investment is very much on people in these small businesses, right? Mm. You've got these key critical people mm. in key critical roles. Mm. So it is a really difficult balance to get. And often, and actually sometimes I don't think there's a right or a wrong. And I think sometimes you just have to make a decision and you have to do what you think is mm. right for yeah. your business and every business will be different because the culture will be different the people will be different and some businesses are very transparent about their financial situation from day one and share everything and others are very closed and so that can be difficult because then that's suddenly a bit of a shock but yeah I think that is one of the most challenging 